there have been a huge number of lies as related to the COVID flu. And you know what? Praise be to God that a lot of people have figured this out. It is fewer than 5% of kids who are eligible for the dangerously ridiculous, or actually ridiculously dangerous in that case, uh, so-called boosters who've taken them. It's less than 7% of all of the doses of the mRNA trash that you paid Pfizer to produce. Oh, you're still going to pay for it. Oh, Pfizer's going to get their money. I mean, they run things. But parents have figured it out. It took a long time, but they've figured it out. God has torn down the curtain between us and this absolute corruption. And he's reminding us, yeah, you can count on human institutions if you want. Or you could base everything in truth. But, but, but the biggest lie, the biggest COVID lie, they're, they're fixing. As the folks I grew up with would say, they're fixing uh, to launch that lie on us now. And look, there's been ridiculousness that, 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 that this was allowed to pass. This made sense to someone somewhere. This is our friend Justin Hart who's going to join us here talking about writing his book, Gone Viral. And I asked him about, what was the most ridiculous thing or the funnest chapter you wrote? Yeah, what was it? What was the the, the chapter you had the most fun writing? In San Francisco, for example, it was a a rule that uh, if you... If you had some amorous relation, uh, a date gone well, uh, that you had to uh, basically hole up with that person for the next two to four weeks uh, as, as part of a measure not to bring it back to your roommates or something else, right? Right. And in the separate country of Seattle, here was their, here was their concern for people. They told people, if you meet a stranger in a bar... And you guys decide that you want to go uh, take out your fleshly lusts with one another. Just cut a hole in the shower curtain. Just do it that way. And, and that was that was health advice. I also asked Justin, Justin Hart. I asked him about what is the biggest current piece of data that you think should turn everything around. That that, that should magnify. The, the the gigantic nature of these lies. John uh, Ioannidis uh, out of Stanford, the most cited living scientist, came out just yesterday with updated stats on the fatality rates, the infection fatality rates before any vaccinations and found they were even better. That is, they were even lower than we expected for anyone uh, below the age of uh, 55 or 60, I think it was your risk was lower than it was for facing influenza. Lower. But we didn't shut down the world for influenza. Oh, but the big, big, big lie. Oh, it's coming. And it has to do with this dynamic. Anderson Cooper has a $12 million a year annual salary. Well, $10 million of that is coming from Pfizer. Yeah, it is coming from Pfizer. Yeah, the big, big COVID lie, it's about to be launched upon us. I'll discuss it exclusively with Justin Hart. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, 
Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. My friend Justin Hart was minding his own business, bothering nobody, just doing his data analysis and helping companies build sales funnels online when the lockdowns happened. When the lockdowns came along, he said, oh, this must be really bad. I wonder how bad. So he dug into the data and came out and said, uh, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> none of this is about data. And no one would listen to him. Justin's going to join us and talk about his new book, Gone Viral. And on the topic of people staying in their lanes or going out of their lanes, right? When my friend Tim Cruikshank decided to go out of his lane, he is a Navy SEAL, 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL. He decided to go out of his lane, right? He is a physician's assistant, incidentally, speaking of medical stuff. Uh, He is a SEAL. He'd been a medic for the SEALs. And in, did that in combat, came out of his lane. I'm going to start a coffee company. I love coffee, but furthermore, I want to create a company that truly does honor the Navy SEALs. And so the Navy SEAL Foundation benefits from the sales of Bonefrog Coffee. That's reason number one to look into trying it at bonefrog.us. The other is that having gone out of his lane, <laughs> Tim wasn't born a Navy SEAL. No one is born a Navy SEAL. People are born to be them. But yeah, he went to Coronado. He did the thing. He went through the training, went through BUDS, and eventually got on a team. Well, he didn't start that way. So Tim reached out at Bonefrog Coffee to a guy named Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart didn't, wasn't born a coffee expert, but he is one. He became one. And he listened to Tim's story. He saw God Country team on all the bags. He said, okay, Navy SEAL Foundation, I'm in. He creates roast for Bonefrog Coffee. This coffee legend, Dave Stewart, he also mentors the team. All right, so now, now, see God, country, team. God helped put that together. And the team, Tim does everything he can to hire vets, to work with veteran-owned companies, and it all comes down to the product. Look, you can be the greatest, you you could be the, the most successful Buds graduate ever. You could kill all the tests. But when the work product comes, and that's combat, that's killing people and breaking things when you're told to do so in a godly way by your country, that's, that's where you produce. It all comes down to the product. So go to bonefrog.us to try the product. That's bonefrog.us. Please make sure you use the .us to try the product. It's always a great pleasure. When a friend of mine gets the attention he deserves for the work he does so very well. And with that great big buildup, Justin Hart, welcome to the Todd Herman Show. Good to have you back. Oh, Todd, great to be with you today. Congratulations on the book coming out, man. It is a big deal, and you earned this, and the world's lucky to have you writing this. And I was thinking about God's timing on this, uh, Father God, such interesting timing. Your book is coming out at a moment where I think the biggest COVID lie is about to be told. Yeah, it, it really is. It's in the middle of this whole foray of new news around COVID, whether it's uh, Dr. Fauci refusing to even acknowledge 
the the light damage, uh, or let alone the significant damage that his lockdowns caused. Uh, then we have all of the information around the vaccines across the pond there in Europe. Uh, everyone is growing very suspicious around what was transpiring with the lead up of reports indicating that the vaccine would stop infection, which it didn't. And now we have uh, the CDC knocking on the door of every family, basically putting into or, or threatening to put into schedule a recommendation of vaccinations along with everything else down to the state level and uh, being here in California, that that worries me immensely. Well, and yeah, and there's a reason that they want to do that. Uh, it's not health as I see it, Justin. We know that this, this disease, uh, even Bill Gates now admits it rarely affects children. Uh, he's, man, someone's trying to chase that video offline. I have to keep sourcing that video. Uh, it keeps getting chased <laughs> offline. But yes. uh, Robert F. Kennedy, you know, uh, Jr.'s done a great job of explaining the fact that if they get this stuff, um, into the scheduled vaccines for kids, these mRNA injections, which I don't think are vaccines. Uh, at that point, they're, the, the pharma companies are free and clear. They, they just simply can't be sued. Yeah, that 1983 rule will, will shelter them pretty nicely, although we have a pretty litigious society. I've predicted we'll see the biggest lawsuit that will put uh, mesothelioma and asbestos to shame. But look, the, the book... Uh, Gone viral how COVID drove the world insane. Launched today, but it's really it's a it's a weapon. It's defense against the tactics that have been used to quash our rights over the last two years. I mean, it was written a lot for for your audience who, for the past two years, have known deep in their bones that these uh, implementations, these um, you know interventions, were really not what they turned out to be, and probably caused a significant amount of harm. And then, but it's also for the vast array of people who are just now coming out of that fog and making their own journey to team reality, right? We want them uh, to feel that way. So uh, the, it's very readable, very accessible. It's sort of built like um, you know a MythBuster scene where we take all of the top lies, as you put it, you know, that have been perpetrated over the last two years. And we blast them away. Now, we, we throw a couple stats in there, but we also try to bring it down to humanity. We try to tell some of the, the stories that are there. And in the back of the book, we got some templates you can use to send to your board if they start getting masking again. So that's that's kind of the layout there. You've done such a good job of combining the human stories with data. I, I don't know that anyone did a better job. Early on, when you got involved in this and you began to go viral, uh, it was phenomenal to see you take your data analysis skills and then just also display that data in a way that people understand. I know you've got the website Rational Ground in addition to the book Gone Viral. Um, what do you think, if you were to take this away and, and you consider yourself grandpa, and I think you are just about, I mean, you've got so many children, you've been blessed, you know, I've been blessed, but if you <laughs> consider yourself great grandpa, yes. Justin, and you're bouncing, you're, you know, you're, you're talking to your great grandkids and they're adults and you know, your life is, you're, you're about to go to the Lord. What's the, what's the lesson that you want them to take from this period of time, Justin, that you want this world to take from this period of time from your unique position of having gone viral? Yeah, I, I think the, the lesson is that uh, you as a lay person, as just a citizen and non-expert in these things, have as much voice as the most stringent lockdown scientist because you are free to interpret what that means for your family. That's, that's the inalienable rights that our founders gave us. That just basic 
tenant of our founding documents, the pursuit of happiness was ripped from us, right? You're sitting here locked in your home, your plow is in the field, and they tell you, you can't go out to that or we'll fine you or we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll shake you over the hide. You don't, we don't have to put up with that nonsense. And I hope we have that moment. I think the other element is just to understand that, uh, you know, as a person who doesn't have credentials, uh, isn't sort of, uh, I don't have any acronyms, you know, appended to my name, you still have the right to dive into the same data they do and discover it for yourself. Check and verify. And really, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's there's an analogy back to medieval times when you know you had to get your word of God through the priest, and then people said, you know what, maybe maybe I want to read that myself, right? And I think that's part of it too, is if to realize how it's there. Now, the the problem that that upturns now is that we all know how the sausage is made, right? Seeing these folks go through their machinations of how they came to their decisions leaves a real pit in our stomach. And that's that's really the next steps here, which is how do we rectify this massive gap uh, that has been left and in the wake of terrible, terrible health policy decisions? There's some key questions, Justin, that I've learned through this period of time. And uh, some of them are pretty simple, and, and it's like this. Why isn't everybody doing it? And this goes to the masking stuff, right? This goes to, wait, why isn't everybody doing this? Why do I see people, when they think they're not on camera, why do I see bosses unmasked? And wait, um, another question is, why this time? Uh, what, what is so different about this? Why this time? Um, one of the key questions I ask healthcare providers all the time is, how does it work? And if they don't provide a satisfactory answer, like in, in, in regard to the injections, uh, I've stepped back and said, I don't think you know how it works. Uh, what sort of skeptical questions, you know, do you, you had to ask those in the book. I mean, you had to ask that in your work. I know it's at rational ground, but what sort of like rational skeptical questions do you encourage people to ask? Because we're all, we're all basically scientists. I mean, we're not advanced and perhaps not me. I'm not mathematical in that way, but we all look at observations and we can create predictions and say, wow, it looks like the 405 is going to be busy this morning because I recognize this pattern. So what do you what do you suggest in terms of sort of well, skeptical yeah. questions to ask? Yeah, you know, the great hockey player Wayne Gretzky was one that's asked everyone knows this story, I think, which, you know, how did you become so successful? What made you such a great player? And he answered very simply, I skate to where the puck is going to be, <laughs> not to where it is, right? Yeah. He looked at that trajectory, the puck across the ice, so I'm gonna get there, not here. And I think yeah. that's that's part of what um, you know. We need to understand is that you can very well make your own predictions as to where things are headed in specific ways, right? And make your risk assessments on that. You do that with your children every day. You might say, "Hey, look, you know, I can see my kids watching a little bit too much iPad. I got to scale that back because I can foresee uh, a few years down the road where this is really going to be a problem, right?" Yeah. Or you can make the assessment, "Hey, I can tell that these county board me- board members are not going to take." responsibility for going to my kid's park and padlocking her favorite swing set. I'm going to vote them out. Or maybe, hey, when did my health director get onus over my job and how do I vote her out? She's not elected, right? These are things that that we really need to start asking questions for, which is and and just basically comes down to this premise of how do you protect your own rights? 
Uh, it, it really they, they designed this this really strange system where you were indeed your brother's keeper, and they were going to force you to be that way. And uh, it it made for some really really challenging things. It's one thing to do it uh, out of a sense of love and altruism. It's another thing when the government cramps it down on you uh, or you lose your job, right? Oh, I, I I couldn't agree more. And in writing the book, Gone Viral, uh, two questions. It's a two part question. What was the chapter you had the most fun writing, and what was the chapter that brought back the most difficult memories for you? I would say the, the most fun I had was writing the one about uh, love in a time of COVID. And we go through these scenarios uh, in San Francisco, for example. It was a, a rule that uh, if you if you had some amorous relation, uh, a date gone well, uh, that you had to uh, basically hole up with that person for the next two to four weeks uh, as as part of a measure not to bring it back to your roommates or something else, right? I just picture this, uh, this rom-com, right? Uh, where basically the health inspectors come knocking at the door of a couple who met online or something and they basically tell them, we're going to have to weld you inside your apartment and then they have to go through all the hijinks of living with each other and basically being married. That was fun. But I think yeah. the, the most um, the most threatening piece to me was looking back on my kids. I, I think the intro really tells it well, where uh, we thought we had uh, a very, very good thing with, for example, our, our two oldest daughters who went to a private classical Christian school, one that we counted on to sort of, you know, be apart from the world. That was kind of their their mantra, right? And, and they were more concerned with how they looked towards upper education places that they were sending the kids than they were with actually educating our kids. Uh, they were, you know, one of the only schools that was open here in San Diego in the fall of 2020. But by the time that next school year came around, they were contact tracing till 2 a.m. and calling you if your kid even, you know, passed in the hall someone who was slightly infected or tested positive. And then your kids lose weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And it was devastating. And when you questioned them, you said, you know, where's the logic? Where's the reason? Where, where are these pillars on which I see all over on these banners all over the school? And it was not to be found. And so it was... Um, it was a very challenging time to realize that there were people that you trusted with your kids and they failed them. Right. Yeah. I can see that, that bringing back, you know, just terrible memories when, um, when you realize that the quote authorities either have no idea what's going on, don't care, or they're co-opted. There's been so much money that's passed to the schools. And this is now just, just now being told uh, to remain locked down. There's yeah. pharma monies, there's government monies uh, to, to, to mask um, the, you know, the nature of this is a psyop one day is going to be fully understood by a lot of people. I remember this in, in Seattle, uh, when, uh, I was still doing the radio show there, the, uh, Seattle King County board of health put out uh, a message that, uh, if you're having a one night stand, uh, here's how to use a shower curtain to create your own, um, I don't want to use the phrase cause it's a disgusting phrase, but people know the phrase. I mean, here's yes. how to cut a hole in a shower curtain so that you can have sex with the person you just met. And, and be COVID safe, because certainly <laughs> that that would be the concern, right? That you might catch a cold <laughs> right. uh, or a cold-like virus right. if this is your lifestyle. Um, maybe there's some other things you should be concerned with. 
Um, there's this, you put together a montage that made the rounds. I think Clay Travis picked it up. It got a lot of retweets of Fauci saying, well, you know, Neil, uh, let's remember something. Uh, I had nothing to do, uh, with the lockdowns. I, that, that, that just nothing to do with me. And then you put this, um, this montage together of him, in fact, you know, announcing the lockdowns. Now he's saying, well, remember, I didn't have anything to do with locking the schools down. What do you think is the most fantastical lie uh, of of the Fouch in this era? Yeah, I, I think it would be along those lines that he, he yeah. that he had no hand in these lockdowns or these school closures. Uh, the gaslighting there is immense. We could probably solve our world's uh, energy problems just by <laughs> siphoning off the power of his gaslighting there. But uh, look, it. It's really it's it's unnerving because he not only, uh, you know, sets the policy for these things, but he decides on the grants that are given to the scientific research that's done by the NIH. So imagine, you know, your chances of, of getting something approved in there, let's say that that might have a negative consequence on the uh, effectiveness of mask mandates. When Dr. Fauci is not signing off on it, you won't get that money. We need to separate those sort of powers there. And he's been there for an awfully long time. And in the emails, you can see again and again, he's just he's worried about his image. He's worried about which media thing. I remember one specific day. I think I mentioned this in the book that uh, he gets uh, we get these FOIA emails. He gets an email from uh, the pep from uh, J and J Johnson and Johnson. He doesn't like that type of vaccine very much because it wasn't mRNA, right? So he kind of said, "Oh, I, I'm not really." They wanted to get some time with him. It's not my own time. You have to talk to Congress. Well, 15 minutes later, he gets an email from someone from the Pepsi Foundation who wants to talk about some type of board position for someone he knows, and he immediately schedules a, an appointment for him. So these things are – there's great hypocrisy. There's great gaslighting going on. My kindest interpretation is that he just has not find found a way to save face. Uh, Dr. Atlas would correct me and say, these are dumb people. They, they're not very smart, unfortunately. And I think we talked about this last time. I would I would jump on top of that and say they may well be dumb, but someone somewhere has evil plans uh, because ignoring the sort of data that they're ignoring, that they ignored on the lockdowns and the masks and now the injections and, and that story. That's going to unfold because we're seeing respiratory uh, illness in kids at a level that's never been seen before. You have legitimate now uh, you know, hospitals saying, no, actually, this time we really are having way too many kids with respiratory problems coming in. Um, is there a second book in the works uh, in terms of, uh, you, see, this was gone viral. How about gone vaxxed? <laughs> there definitely is going to be a need for for documenting all of this information. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the first level is going to be if there is a change in the guard here in November, and I hope that people get this book take it into the voting booth with you, maybe give it to your neighbor, that one guy who's still double-masked in his car alone, right? And, and just can you know tell them, these are the people that locked you down. If there is a changing of the guard, I have it on good authority, and hopefully we hold their feet to the fire, that they will hold hearings next year. Our, our kids deserve that much, at least. How were these decisions made? I always point to one stat that's irrefutable, devastating, and everyone can understand and it, it crosses around, it crosses across all politics. We think that in the spring of 2020, by one study that was out of Miami and Chicago, that we missed about 250,000 cases of potential child abuse and domestic abuse. Why? Because it's typically sharp-eyed teachers and administrators at school who are calling that out. A bruise in mom's eye. 
The kid looks a little wonky. Dad's acting a little strange. What's going on here? And they'll put two and two together. They'll make some, uh, you know, some concerted effort to, to to investigate, and it leads to a charge. Just the devastation of that alone, you know, needs to be accounted for. We need to have people really look at these things and understand pieces. And then there's the the funny parts, like all the the toilet paper craziness that we went through, right? Where we had to rush on the stores, and then you come to realize, well, why why were we short on toilet paper? Well, people do half of their business, if you will, at their business, right? Right. And all right. that uh, manufactured big roll stuff into. Uh, all, all these industrial parks and business parks had to be changed over to the soft little uh, bare uh, Gentile uh, tissue that you and I love. So uh, yeah. th- those impacts that we're feeling today economically, you need to understand those all started here. They're all in the book. Uh, the, the the cascade of awfulness is something we're just now experiencing. So one, uh, just I have two closing questions for you as we continue to talk with Justin Hart. There's a link to his book, uh, right here in the show notes, so you can buy it from here. Super, super easy. And let me just say this, as we're talking about data and we're talking about interpreting this stuff, you know, I talk about soda weight loss and soda weight loss interprets their data. This is one of the reasons that I went on board with them is, look, I know how these protocols work. I've taken off 150 pounds of unwanted fat. In fact, I think Justin remembers me when I was 95 pounds heavier. And uh, like, do you remember that? When I, I was, I swung a lot of fat I, around. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you for this offline because uh, <laughs> you're right. I, I didn't want to mention, but you, you look terrific, friend. Uh, thank you. Thank I, I think you. I've taken your place. I put on my COVID-19. <laughs> I know for that, you know. <laughs> uh, so look, these guys check their work and they publish it and they came out with a prediction, right? If we do it this way, men will take off on average about five pounds of unwanted fat per week. And women will take off two and a half to three and a half. That's a p-value. It's it's scientific. And for a long time, they tracked that. And then something happened. You talk about Justin's book gone viral. They were in Dallas, Texas, one location. Then they went to seven. They had people coming from Florida and Louisiana <laughs> and from Oklahoma uh, to, <laughs> to lose weight with them, to lose fat. You can check this all out at sotaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. Incidentally, I'll tell you, Justin, they're also the uh, fat loss yeah. partners of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so it's 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 oh. not just you know, old men like me and you. It's Well, you're younger than me, but uh, it's you look younger. Uh, well, they need, they need bigger linemen there, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll let them know. I don't think they concentrate too much on the fat loss with the line linemen. I think that stuff comes to play. You want to be an immovable object. Sure. There you go. Um, in your book, uh, obviously, you are uh, you know very skilled at understanding data and representing data and making it understandable. I, I think that you helped turn the tide, as I've said before, with those infographics about uh, people, what was it, 18 to 34, more likely to die falling down the stairs. Uh, right now, what do you think yeah. is the biggest data mismatch in regards to the way the Mockingbird media covers this? Because well, I'll give you an instance. I just saw Newsmax uh, write that the quote pandemic killed 1 million people. And I look at that and go, you're going to say that you, you still don't understand uh, died with versus from you still don't understand the PCR swindle. I mean, are you that far into pharma monies? Um, you know, someone made the point the other day, Anderson Cooper's got a $12 million base salary. That means that 10 million comes from Pfizer, <laughs> right? Uh, what do you think is the biggest <laughs> data mismatch right now? Um, when compared to policy, so reality versus policy. 
Yeah, I think right now it's the, it's the vaccine information. You recall at the end of last year, uh, President Biden said you were 99 times more likely to die if you're unvaccinated than if you're vaccinated. We, we knew that was false right then. And my colleagues and I uh, went through and we looked at the data. We realized very quickly this is perhaps the one downside for not having a unified single payer system, which is. We have municipal hospitals, we have state hospitals, we have county hospitals, we have religious hospitals, we have VA hospitals. They all have their own policies and how they collect data, and they all come up in a certain way. If you got vaxxed at the VA hospital, you go to a county hospital, they may not be able to match your record right away to verify it. And so the data that you get is very lagged. When you go back and you look at, for example, New York, which is one of the things we looked at, we, we found that in the end... Um, what we're finding right now is that it's far more susceptible uh, to the virus, certainly, and there's definite risks involved for lower people if you are vaccinated if they, than if you are not vaccinated. And so that, those data points are continuing to haunt us because people tout them left and right, and we just know they're wrong. But the key one, Todd, is always coming back to what you said at the beginning, those risks, those true risks as to what we're doing. John uh, Ioannidis uh, out of Stanford, the most cited living scientist, came out just yesterday with updated stats on the fatality rates, the infection fatality rates before any vaccinations and found they were even better. That is, they were even lower than we expected for anyone uh, below the age of uh, 55 or 60, I think it was your risk was lower than it was for facing influenza. For anyone above there, it was higher, uh, 65 years and older for sure. But uh, the impacts uh, that we that we chose to, to make, especially towards our kids, are unfounded, uh, unrehearsed, and um, hopefully unrepeatable as we uh, go into the next phases. Hopefully this doesn't haunt us again. Or they might use these same tactics for you know some other boogeyman that they conjure up, like oh, climate change. Well yeah, climate change, and there's and they are using the same tactics. We've talked about this on that show, on this show. But there's also this in Australia, New South Wales. Uh, they intend to uh, inject uh, um, cows with mRNA because there's a lumpy skin disease. Yeah. So if if they can't inject you with it, they'll have you eating it. I mean, there's and they they're bragging about an 82 million dollar center there, so they can be the mRNA leader in the world. I mean, they they intend for this to be in all of us. And I'm here to tell you the the story on on deaths, the story on, on on deaths from this, injuries from this, but also the the effect on the human reproductive system. Not to mention uh, immunological derangement, where people lose innate uh, immunity. That story is going to be very very obvious in about five years, and it'll be interesting to see how it's spun because they're it will be saying it's the- climate change. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a crazy scene right now. We know from one study that came out last week that after 150 days, you are indeed more susceptible to the virus than someone who is not vaccinated. Now, you might think that was done by some crazy, you know, right-wing study group. No, that was sponsored by Moderna itself. <laughs> so they're proving their own vaccine after so many days becomes very, very less effective than if you didn't have it. These are these are known facts. It's very difficult to counter them. Over in Europe, they've already made the decision. They're not going to give this thing to anyone under 30. But we're the holdouts. And uh, I think the wave is coming. Uh, it's just, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, it's a way for these folks to save face uh, for us to save our children. So we'll have to see what happens yeah. here on Thursday when the CDC has its vote. We think we're raising enough a ruckus that they're going to they're going to pause before they do that. 
Well, it'd be really interesting to see if they do. I mean, that would be a major win because I think it's, uh, what is it, less than 5% of kids in the United States have been injected with this stuff. I think it's maybe like 2%. Parents have utterly yeah. rejected this for their children, yeah. and, and thank God that they have. And um, The book is called Gone Viral, um, and Justin Hart's the author. There's a link in the show notes. I'm sure he's going to do a book tour and go out and not wear masks and be a walking virus machine hugging people and such. Oh, you're not much of a hugger. I think you like to shake hands, right? Do you, do you embrace dudes? Uh- I, I I love hugging too. I'm big, okay. but I'll tell you, they, I go around to the shows. They they're still not having. Anyone. I go to I will I'll go to New York. I'll pay my own yeah. dime, and they go, oh no, they're not taking one in studio still. Okay. For real? This bugs me. I, so I don't know. We'll oh, see. This, yeah, really. I said I'll, I'll go on any Fox News show you want. You just pop me on there. Oh no, we'll just, we'll just take you virtually if we need you. Oh okay, not taking anyone in person. No no, everyone's everyone's really concerned still. Ugh. Oh just, my goodness. You know, it goes on and on. We need to sort of yeah. Get the book so you can get over right. these fears. I'll tell you what. You come out to the the, uh, the high country. You come out to the high mountains of free America. I'll even drink yes. out of a glass after you drink out of it. I'll prove myself a man. All right, Justin, appreciate you as always. And uh, please, please go with God's good grace. Thanks, Todd. Love you lots. It is data that makes the difference. And it's analyzing data, looking at patterns, and noticing when patterns are completely out of whack. And when you're no longer dealing with logic and numbers do a great job of displaying logic. And of course, at Bulwark Capital Management, I mean, they're all about numbers. They have to be because they, um, they, they function in that world. And by numbers, Right By stewarding our money for us, particularly when we are five to 10 years uh, from retirement in that danger zone, that, that, that focus zone where risk matters, the numbers are all important. But here's the problem is right now, the numbers are so bizarre and it's because we are living a chaos economy. It's no longer sensical. And this means that the risk is so pronounced now, Bulwark Capital Management, they have been warning about this for a decade. There is no reason for Facebook stock to have ever been as high as it is. There's no reason that core energy products should be as low as they are except for the chaos economy. So what Zach and his team at Bulwark Capital Management do is they navigate that for us. Now, there is an opportunity coming for you. It is this Thursday, it's coming up Thursday, October 27th. Okay, this is at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And here's the question. Is your portfolio ready for this chaos economy, this wild market? And here's what Zach's going to talk about. He's going to talk about why a risk management strategy has never been more critical. He's going to talk about the core of Bulwark Capital Management's investment and retirement planning process. And it's a live webinar. It's fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. He's going to show you the solid performance over 2022 as well as previous years. He'll explain why that 60-40 stock bond mix is just utterly outdated. And it is in of itself a huge risk in this environment. Now, this is a free live webinar, but they do sell out. So here's what you do. is This is coming up Thursday, October 27th at 3 p.m. It's free, but space is limited. So go to knowyourriskradio.com. Okay, that's the URL, K-N-O-W, knowyourriskradio.com. 
and make sure you get registered for this so you can figure out if your portfolio is ready for the chaos economy in this wild, wild market. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trick Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You know, when I hear Justin talk about uh, the era we've been through and continue to go through with the COVID flu, uh, I'm brought back to simple statements of no. I'm brought back to things like the Planet of the Apes. Was it Cornelius in the Planet of the Apes? Was he the first ape to say no? Remember that? No. And I'm brought back to simple statements of all not. And I'm brought back to the people who resisted. And I'm brought back to this. In the face of such utter pressure under COVID, if you resisted, have you given thanks for the strength to resist? Have you given thanks for the fortitude that God gave us to be able to resist what we've gone through? And I think about simple no's. And I'll personalize it. You know, when the injection diktats came to Washington State, the separate country of Washington, I I knew ahead of time, I announced ahead of time, um, I communicated ahead of time that I would never, ever get injected. And a lot of other people did. And at that time, I started to be surrounded by people who said, hey, you know what? I'm saying no as well. Now, since I left radio, and we're going back, we're doing the national show with Radio America. Can't wait for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I left to become a pastor. I'm in the process now of of joining this residency program to learn actually how to be a pastor, if I ever really become one, but learn it, to put God at the center. It's less than a year ago, and God has blessed this podcast so enormously, so enormously. He kept his word. His covenant was good. I was talking to someone who quit their job, very successful in the world of finance, by the way. We just talked about Zach. In the world of finance, rolled up their firm, left the separate country of California, moved up to the freer states, not perfect and not safe state, but a freer state of Idaho. And in less than a year, the Lord has put his business back together, but he's doing something he never, ever thought he would do. He's now, a, he's now an executive recruiter. Not something he ever imagined doing, but he told me it's the most rewarding thing he's ever done because he started by reaching out to younger executives to give them the big shot at the VP chair or at the SVP chair, and he loves it. And these contacts that he built throughout the industry, he works from home. No one can tell him to get injected. He's a private contractor putting together an LLC and hiring his first employee. I've talked to people who left their, their employment because they had to. And frankly, they haven't found other jobs, but they've found family. They've found church. I know people, I know a wife who left her job. She was in the hospital and she was not going to get injected. She left work. And her husband said, hey, you know what? We're going to make it. You know, we're going to be okay. God is going to provide. What she's found is her time at church volunteering has become the thing she does. And it surrounds her with her children throughout the day. There's a school nearby, and in this exact time, the Lord came to her husband with a much, much larger project than his company has ever taken on. 
And he was faced with, my goodness, is this too much for us to bite off? And she said, no, the Lord will provide. And what does he have now? He has a whole bunch of people who've moved to this state because in other states, they were forced to get the injections, but they're here now because they refused. There is strength in standing on something firm. For me, the injections are a lie. They are not vaccines. They've never stopped infection. They've never stopped transmission. They have never been safe. They have never been effective. For me, my decision to not get injected wasn't just medical. It was also spiritual. I will not be injected with a lie. I will not pretend. I will not wear a woke mask to pretend. What we're going to do in the next election cycle, after this next election cycle, if we're going to have to make a great big decision on some no's, because the pressure that is about to mount on us, the food supply pressure, it's coming. The fuel cost pressure, it's coming. And the temptation is going to be this. They're offering us safety. We just have to give up a little freedom. They're offering that to us. They can't. They have no ability to provide safety. No human being can keep another human being safe. Oh, we can protect them. We can nurture them. But I'll tell you this. I made a lifetime out of protecting my daughter. I carried I had to pull my gun once. I've told you the story. Some people who did not mean my daughter well. And I feel no compunction, no confusion about putting the gun in their face. I would do it again in two seconds. But I couldn't protect her. The harm that came to her, I didn't see coming because it came in the form that I couldn't expect. That'll be her story to tell. I pay to that. I pay for that for the, I will pay for that for the rest of my life. Not as much as she will, because she's the one who had it done unto her. Human beings cannot prevent harm. We can mitigate it. We can deal with it. There is one safety, and the safety is in the arms of God. So when we walk into this next storm, I hope that we will all reflect on the storm through which we just walked. And the power of examining something for godliness. Am I being told to lie? Am I being told to act out a lie? Am I being told to pretend the lie is not a lie? Am I being told to violate the word of God by stealing from some to give to others? With that, then we have complete, ultimate, and forever safety. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And let's make sure that we count on safety from the only place from which safety can come.